This morning's reading is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You might like to keep your Bibles open there at Philippians chapter 4. And let me pray for us. Father, as we again come to your word, we pray that you would open our hearts to receive the words that you have for us this morning. Thank you that you do speak to us through your word. Thank you that you long for us to live well as your people here and now. We pray as we look at some of Paul's thoughts on joy that we might choose to be more joyous in our lives. Father, please be with us now, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ren and Stimpy was a cartoon series that screened in the early 1990s. One of the songs that came from the series was Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. It sort of goes a bit like this. I can see Scott ready to sing along. Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy. You, you, you get the idea. So, so the writers equate uh, joy and happiness. And whilst the words that are found in the Bible suggest that we can find happiness in God's creation and in relationships... The fuller joy that we're talking about here is a joy that can only be found in God alone. Leo Tolstoy, the author of War and Peace, pursued joy, sorry, pursued happiness, but found little joy. Tolstoy's early life was dominated by loss and failure. His mother died when he was two. His father died when he was nine. He was uh, placed with one of his aunts as his guardian. She also died, so a second aunt had to take care of him and his siblings. He failed to excel as a student. 
He left university without a degree. He went back to the family property to take up farming. But because of his consistent socialising that had caused problems in university, he also failed as a farmer. He joined the army and fought in the Crimean War. No joy there. After the war, his writing started to take off and he was in high demand in the literary scene. However, his wealth and his popularity failed to provide joy and to meet his deepest needs. He gambled away his money and fell into depression. Again, no real joy. He was married and his wife had 13 children. Only 10 of them survived uh, beyond infancy. And yes, there were happy times, but there was always tensions and demands in his marriage. No deep-seated joy. Tolstoy pursued happiness but found little joy until much later in his life when he wrote this. Suddenly I heard the words of Christ and understood them and life and death ceased to seem to me evil. Instead of despair, I experienced the joy of life undisturbed by death. Joy is an attitude that God's people adopt not because of happy circumstances, but because their hope is in God's love and in God's promise. Their hope is in God's character. Joy is shaped not by the current struggles that surround them, but a certain joyful destiny that is theirs. We have a choice to rejoice in all circumstances. We can make a choice to rejoice. The context of joy for God's people hasn't changed much throughout the centuries. We heard earlier that God's people, when they were released from slavery in Egypt, sang for joy, even though they were in the wilderness and had plenty of reasons to be fearful. None of them had been to this strange place before. It was foreign to them. They were vulnerable. They were relying on the unseen God of their distant forefathers. Yes, Moses had told them of a promise, a, a rich promise, and they had seen miraculous signs, but now the promise is very distant and they're in the wilderness. Nonetheless, they make the choice to rejoice. Fast forward to first century Philippi. This young church is urged to rejoice by their father in the faith, Paul, who is now in prison in Rome. Earlier he'd been in prison in Philippi, now he's imprisoned in Rome. And he's encouraging them to rejoice. In fact, it's more like a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. These people have been freed from slavery to sin by faith in Jesus. 
most if not all of them hadn't even seen Jesus. They had been taught that God had gifted them faith and that they are to take confidence in their future. Yet their immediate context for this fledgling church is not described in a very very good light. Verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and corrupt generation. In a warped and corrupt generation. Living in such times provides plenty of reasons to be anxious. It is in this context that they are commanded to rejoice in the Lord always. They are urged to make the choice to rejoice. Again, fast forward to the 21st century Abbotsford Church. We too have received faith as a gift of grace. If we look at the world around us, the words a warped and corrupt generation seem to be apt as ever. Experts tell us that anxiety and mental illness is on the rise. And today God's word comes to us, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The context of the choice to rejoice is always vulnerability, always uncertainty. It's often darkness and often the temptation to not look beyond what we immediately see, to not look beyond our current circumstances. Our joy is to be shaped by our future destiny, not our current struggles. In effect, it's a choice between relying upon our own resources, which we saw last week are broken, or relying on the resources of the sovereign creator God who has limitless resources. Our choice is between joy and fearfulness or anxiety. At the first Christmas, there is much anxiety, but there is greater joy. For instance, the shepherds are terrified. And who wouldn't be if an angel just sprung up in front of you? They were terrified. But the angel reassures them in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, Do not be afraid, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. The joy of the first Christmas is a joy for all people. For all of us here and all the people out there. It is joy for all people. While we're thinking about that first Christmas, I want you to think about Mary and her situation. Of all people, she had cause to be anxious. 
she too was fronted by an angel. And we're told, understandably, that she was greatly troubled. But her great troubledness is about to get ratcheted up several notches. She is told that she is going to receive, to conceive a child. Not just any child, but the child of the Most High. Yet, how could this be? She was a virgin. Then she is told, the power of the Most High God is going to overshadow you. The power of the Most High God, won't that obliterate her? And add to this, what will Joseph and everybody else think? Anxiety must have seemed to be like the only option. Yet in the midst of this, she holds on to a few words that are spoken to her. Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid. You have found favour with God. You have found favour with God. Mary goes off to tell her cousin Elizabeth, maybe she'll understand. After a brief exchange, Mary bursts into song. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. No sense of anxiety there at that point. She is overwhelmed by God's goodness and grace. Yes, there is a lot that she doesn't know. But she makes the choice to rejoice. Her focus is on the Most High God and the word, the promise that she has received. Not her circumstances. Not on what other people will think, not on what other people will say. She decides to focus on God, the God who is always good. Now as this Christmas approaches, this season of joy, I'm wondering what's causing your levels of anxiety to rise. The Christmas shopping that still needs to be done? Well, that'll come and go. Maybe you've got a problem with the broader finances in your family. And there's a struggle there that just seems to linger. Perhaps there's illness of a loved one or your own illness that you're keeping quiet. Maybe there's a relationship that's gone sour in recent times. Maybe you're a bit anxious about the temptations that you just can't seem to get on top of. Maybe you've got concerns about your children and what they're going to do in this warped and corrupt generation. Maybe you just have a general discontent with this warped and corrupt generation. 
Or maybe you're disappointed with God. You're disappointed with God who, like Santa, doesn't seem to be coming through for you. There's a lot that we can be anxious about in our world. Our choice is between fixating on our circumstances, which will just churn up and increase anxiety, or turning to the sovereign God again, receiving again his grace, receiving again the joy of forgiveness, receiving again his embrace. Can I urge you to hand over your anxieties to him? The words that were spoken to Mary... God's words to you today to me today do not be afraid you have found favour with God you have found favour with God if you have placed your life in Jesus hands if you're trusting him by grace you have found favour with the living God So don't be afraid, don't be anxious, allow those words to shape you. You have found favour with the living God. Make the choice to praise him. In Philippians, Paul uses different words, but it's the same idea. If we look back to the last few words of verse 3, Paul Uh, puts this immediately before his command to rejoice in the Lord always he talks about people whose names are in the book of life whose names are in the book of life he refers to the members of this fledgling church ordinary people like us there are a couple of women who maybe are at hammer and tongs We don't know. There's some dispute between them and there's other members as well. And they're all described as people whose names are written in the book of life. Whatever is causing the disunity is a distraction. Their names are written in the book of life. They need to remember that by grace they have found favour with the living God. Their names are indelibly written in the book of life. Paul's urging them, now now is the time for you to rejoice in the Lord and to rejoice in him always. He's reminded them previously in Philippians about this great sovereign God. In chapter 1 verse 6, He says, it is the sovereign Lord who began a good work in them and who will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. God has found favour in them and has started a work in them and that's not going to be taken away. It is going to be completed by the sovereign God. In chapter 1 verse 12, it is the sovereign Lord who has enabled even Paul's imprisonment 
even his imprisonment to actually serve the advance of the gospel. They need to remember who it is that is showing favour to them and who can show favour to them in any set of circumstances. Our choice is between fixating on our circumstances or turning to the sovereign God and receiving from him again today grace, the joy of forgiveness, knowing our future and our present are safe in his hands. Sounds like an easy choice, doesn't it? Not for me. Not for me. As I was preparing this sermon, I was bemoaning my tiredness. I was finding plenty of things to grumble about. The carols. Oh, why do I have to have the carols this weekend? And then I locked myself out of my apartment without my keys again. Again, in the middle of preparing this. Then I began grumbling as I sat there looking around at everybody else, grumbling about every aspect I could think of about this warped and corrupt generation. If you're like me, you are far better practiced at grumbling than rejoicing. Rejoicing doesn't come easily for us. It's not natural. Our brokenness sucks us in and blinds us to the riches of God's grace. I need help. I need help. I need the Spirit's help so that I can pray. I need the Spirit's help so that I can focus on what is good and what is right and what I know is true and the favour that has been lavished on me by the living God. I need your help. I need your help so that I pray. I need your help to get me focused on what is right and proper to put my focus on. Like I said to the children, please remind me of God's abundant grace any time you see me grumbling. Even if you don't see me grumbling, remind me of God's abundant grace. Because likely that's what's going on. Remind me that my name is written in the book of life. And that future cannot be taken away. That eternal, everlasting joy cannot be taken away. It is a reality now. And it will always be a reality. I'll try and do the same for you. I'll try and encourage you to pray. In all circumstances. I'll try and encourage you to, to choose to rejoice. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice daily. Pray and focus on God's goodness in the Lord Jesus Christ. His supreme favour to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Let's rejoice. Let me pray for us. Loving Father, we need your help. We need your help to experience that great joy that only you can give. So please, Father, continue to endow us with your spirit. Continue to encourage us to display a grace and mercy to each other. Please help us to encourage each other to rejoice in you always. For we pray in your son's precious name. Amen.